Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. By Silencio Lake, on the plane of size, an impossible astronaut will rise from the deep and strike the time dead. All of history is happening at once. What does that mean? What happened to time? A woman. According to our files, this is the end for you. Your final journey. Before I go, I'd like to know why I have to die. The first question. The oldest question in the universe hidden in plain sight. The doctor will fall. Silence will fall when the question is asked. All the times I've heard those words, I never realized it was my silence. My death. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and finally, it is 5.02 p.m., somewhere in all of space and time, but it's almost 6 p.m. because she is in Pacific Standard Time, I believe. I think that's what you call it, but who, who knows? She might know. And who is she? She is none other than the one and the only Shannon Perry. Shannon, welcome back. Hi, and like Kyle, I am not the one and the only. I'm not even the one and the only in Seattle, but I think we had this conversation last time. We did, but you know what? You're the only and one that is here for us. So That's there true. you go. You're our one and only. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so welcome back. So Thank the question you. of the day to you is groom side, bride side, which side? Oh, brutal. Brutal. I have no idea. Both. Okay, so she's going to sit in the middle of the aisle. Yeah, I'm just going to sit in the aisle. Can I just be the flower girl? (laughs) Go for it. Sweet. (laughs) You've been the matchstick girl, so you can be the flower girl. (laughs) (laughs) Finding out which side of the aisle they stand, I have to ask Clarence Brown. Welcome back. How are you? Doing good, man. As always, glad to be on with, with, with two folks to talk about, you know, what we love to talk about. All right. So question then to you, groom side, bride side, which side? <sighs> I'm team Bella. Is it Bella? I'm, I'm going back to twilight days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm team doctor. Let's do this. Okay. All right. So you're team doctor. There you go. So Lee Shackelford, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, as uh, Mr. Brown always says, uh, just glad to be here talking with you guys. If we may call Shannon one of the guys. Sure, I'm good. Go. <laughs> On uh, International Women's Day, that that's seems right. perfectly appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> so the question to you then, groom side, bride side, which side? For reasons we'll get into uh, later on, uh, I hope, uh, bride side all the way. I don't even think we need to ask me that question. So <laughs> you, everyone knows if you've ever listened to this podcast, I would be on... The Riverside. Yeah, the Riverside. So, there you go. Wow. <laughs> so the music for this ceremony has already been chosen. I guess. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And who composed this music? I'm glad you brought that up because it was actually one of the things on the list. But before we get into that, I would like to remind everyone that if you would like to send some feedback, whether it is the Wedding of River Song or whether it is any of our reviews, we would love to hear from you. You can send us feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com. And we actually have some feedback. So here we go. Hello, Discussing Who podcast. This is Lady Sean Frise phoning in from aboard the Oz 9. I want you to know that I have the major problems with your reviews. Why must you always be for this doctor person, huh? The Daleks and the Cybermen are so much better at assassinating than the stupid can't keep the same face doctor. So, Better treatment of assassins, or I will be cutting you up into little strips of bacon and make you into BLTs for my petite wazoo. What are you doing in here? <laughs> Mon dieu, my petite wazoo! <laughs> I shall return! Really? The things I put up with on this ship. In case the Yapiti dog forgot to say it, be sure to subscribe to Oz9 wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So I would like to say thank you to the notorious French assassin, Le Bichon Frise, and the Albatross from phoning in from the Oz9 with feedback. And the cool thing about it being 5.02 p.m., I'm recording this sometime else in time and space, and Clarence, Lee, and Shannon have no idea that this is in the show. With that, I need to say, if you have not seen The Wedding of River Song, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and I wanted to follow up on something Lee just said, which is music. Murray Gold. So questions, and Shannon, I'll point this to you first. Question. What did you think of the soundtrack, if you were to call it that, for this? The music by Murray Gold. What did you think? Uh... (laughs) I rarely pay attention to the music, to be completely honest. Uh, I think it was probably wonderful because the whole thing is so wonderful and it's such a cohesive piece that I'm awesome. guessing I loved it subconsciously. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you loved it. <laughs> so, guys, any thoughts on you from the music? Because, you know, Clarence, I know you have been particularly paying more attention lately to Murray Gold's music. Any thoughts from you? Yeah, I've been trying, but honestly, in this episode, so much stuff was going on. I really didn't have time to even think about it. Cole, Lee, what about you? Yeah, we, you and I are the ones who uh, I think listen to the soundtrack albums over and over. It is, it's, it, it is one of Murray Gold's masterworks, and it does what cinematic, what yeah, what cinematic scoring is supposed to do is that it's supporting the work without intruding. So you know, if if you if you weren't consciously aware of it. That's an appropriate response, too. I think Murray Gold would be very pleased. There are certainly some stings in it. There's some moments in it where you just go, yes. Well, for me, this is actually one of the favorite Murray Girl tracks that I have listened to. There is a 
soundtrack track from series six or the 2011 series as i've been calling it for this particular one and it's called the wedding of river song so it is absolute awesome but to keep us on track since with the theme of this particular review everything is happening at once so that's why i'm just bouncing about (laughs) because that's what happened in the episodes i thought it would be fun just to kind of throw caution to the wind and just bounce about but having said that i want to go back to the episode info and say that the wedding of river song is the 13th episode of the 2011 series of doctor who first airing on the 1st of october 2011 it starred alex kingston as river song matt smith as the 11th doctor Karen Gillan as Amelia Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. So, summary view. Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Summary view. What did you think of this episode? Well, I think I liked it. <laughs> there was, like I mentioned just a few seconds ago, I think it was so much stuff going on. And, you know, when you're trying to tie that into everything else that's happened this entire season, Uh, I tend to get (laughs) caught up in my own head of trying to work the timeline out exactly. And then, you know, we got River moving in different direction, which makes it even more difficult by the the end of things. But I think overall, I enjoyed it. Just trying to frame the how it all fits together, the puzzle pieces in my head. But but overall, I think I had fun with it. A lot of stuff going on. All right. So Shannon, next you're next up. What did you think? Summary view. Summary view. I I really enjoyed this episode, I have to say. There're just there's so many interesting little details that I really loved about it, like when you see the silence in the tanks, the the texture of their suits. You know, just odd stuff like that that I think is just so much fun. And I love that. And it, it hits some really nice emotional moments. Um, I did have a question, though. Is this the time to ask or should I wait until oh, we dive absolutely. into absolutely. Yes, okay. please. How much time has passed between the God Complex and this? Do we know mm. how much time, according to Amy and Rory, has passed? Did they say three years at some point? Hmm. Mm, that is a good question. It seems like at some point Amy says something about three years and you don't call or something. But I watched several episodes like bing, 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 just to get ready for this. So it's possible that I'm confusing or conflating a few. So, All right. So let me pass that question off to Lee to see if he knows, because I have a theory, but I'm curious to see if Lee knows. But I also want to know, Lee, what is your summary? Of- uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and scrambles to tie up all the loose ends and... In a lot of it, in a very satisfactory way, it uh, there is a a surprise at the very end of this episode, and it is one of my favorite of all. Who and I remember seeing this the first time and being delighted that I hadn't seen it. I, I think the um, three years line is from another episode. I don't think it's in this one. You, you get kind of a blank check here uh, to play around with time in this episode, right? So, I mean, when you say how long has it been, kind of want to say, does it matter? Right. If, <laughs> True. if, if this is a timeline in which everything got broken at, at Lake Silencio. Yeah. Well, we started in 2011, though. It says that on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, but whose timeline are we following? Right, here? But what, <laughs> you, what year right. is it in the episode? It's the year zero. So, uh, yeah. Or it's always 2011. It's just, yeah. That. <laughs> so, I think from the doctor's perspective, I'm, I think we're established that it's about 200 years for him what? and his timeline. Yeah, he said. From the time, yeah. 
because he actually said that in the episode at the beginning that he was like 1100 and something up from 906 or somewhere about. So I know from him there's been about 200 years. I think the three years may be coming perhaps in the power of three that's coming in next season, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, one of these episodes where he's coming back and forth visiting the doctor. I think that's the answer, but I'm not 100% sure. But as far as whether or not I like this episode on summary view, this was one of my favorite finales to a Doctor Who season. I love the fact this season started with such a mind-bending, wibbly-wobbly, trying to figure out what's going on by having the finale be the introduction, (laughs) and then you work yourself back to it. So for me, this was just like a kid in a candy store entire season trying to figure it out. That was the most fun I had was the whole mystification or whatever. And then, of course, Clarence's first watch through and trying to seed all the um, little hints and whatever as he gets into the episode. That was fun for me, too, but absolutely enjoyed and had so much fun with this particular episode. Yeah. That said, we keep talking about 5.02 p.m. and time happening at once and it not really mattering. And Lee, I want to come back to something you were saying on that. With the time stopped and everything happening and disintegrating, this is the second series in a row since Moffat has taken over. And both times, reality has hung in the balance. What are your thoughts on that? Stakes? Too high? Too low? What did you think? Uh, (laughs) You're pushing me towards what I wanted to say about the end of the episode. We've agreed before that's okay, right? We're we're all over the place. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Time is broken. That's right. (laughs) Everything's happening at at once. once. Yeah. And Winston Churchill is the Caesar. And Um, I'm inserting things in here that you guys don't know about. Is the doctor God? That's a serious serious question. (laughs) If the oldest question in the universe Mm -hmm. is Doctor Who, if that's the question that must never be answered. Yeah. I mean, I I told you, Kyle, a long time ago that there's a point in the the, the 11th Doctor time where I give up and I say, I don't, I'm going to make myself keep watching the show because I love the show, but I'm tired of him. And this is it. So I'm, I've been curious to know when we got there. And is this, the, so this is it. Yeah. Because either he's God or he's not. And if he's not, then I'm fed up with hearing about how he's, what makes the universe tick. You, if you can restart the entire universe by blowing up the TARDIS and, and it goes back to the way it was, he's God. And now we find out that <laughs> Doctor Who is the, the original question of everything that there is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out, you know? Uh, so that, that's my, that's my problem with this episode. And it continues into the series from here on. He ends this episode by saying he's going to, he's going to fade into the background, right? He's gotten too noisy. He's being noticed. And then that's not what. Happened. So I thought maybe that'll be the saving grace. He's going to be a secret agent from now on. And that's not what. So uh, anyway, you asked. Did the doctor looking like basically Dr. Jesus? Mm-hmm. Did that add or detract? <laughs> well, <from your> <laughs> lots of people look like that. 
<laughs> but it is interesting that we keep getting shaggy bearded uh, Matt Smith <laughs> this year. <laughs> so I don't know. So Clarence and Shaggy. And it's why I'm sitting on the bride side, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so ladies first, Shannon, what about you? What do you think about raising the stakes and, and, and this literal, let's play on words here, God complex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same thought as as Lee when I realized, because I've seen this episode before, but not for a very long time. And, and when I'm watching it and, he, and the head in the box is saying, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, well, we know that that's an important question, but it's not the be-all, end-all question. And I don't think it was ever intended to be. And it does make this character too big for comfort, right? So like, it's fun that he's this charming, eccentric guy who runs around the universe in a blue box or woman in this, you know, in, in recent times that runs around the universe in a blue box and that's, and has adventures and does great things. But if he's God, what are the stakes, right? Like there aren't really any anymore. So it, it, it takes a lot of the fun and the charm out of it. And I think it's much more fun if he's fallible and not completely, you know, omnipotent and all things. Point taken. All right, Clarence, what about you? Uh, it, it definitely makes the doctor super duper ultra important. <laughs> I, I, I agree that it's too much. I agree with too much. Um, you know, I, it hadn't occurred to me that this was another alternate history reality we were in for this episode. And I didn't really relate it back until you mentioned it just, to, just a few minutes ago. It's like we're the mirror universe here. Uh, interesting, but you know, we have another situation where the doctor is the key mm-hmm. to, to everything being as it should. And, you know, um, it almost puts them on too high of a pedestal at times when, mm-hmm. when, when we keep going back to this and it's something that's going to continue all throughout next season until we get to the end of it. So it's so much more fun when he's the guy who figures out where the key is yes. rather than being the key itself. Well, yes. well said. Yeah. I, Very yeah, I couldn't well said. agree more. I actually took the concept of being the oldest question in the universe a different way. I did have the God complex feeling at one point later, and it was actually in the 12th Doctor's tenure, not the 11th Doctor that I had that, and we'll you know eventually get there. That being said, I saw the oldest question in the universe hidden in plain sight, all of that talk about that being the result of him traveling all these different places and it becoming by his travels, the oldest question in the universe, not as it being the original question. It was the result of his travels mm. that it became the, um, and, and that's similar to River saying, you know, the word doctor, we get that word from you, you know, coming around from all the travels that he had done. So the God complex, mm. I didn't feel that, but there is definitely one that I feel, like I said, later with the 12th Doctor. Now, in regards to raising the stakes, that is one of the things that I did not like about the Moffat era. Now, would I take Moffat back any minute now or any day? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'd love to have that. But we go from, you know, having reality rewritten at the Series 5 conclusion, calling it the Big Bang, Big Bang 2. Now we have this reality 502, time is dying and it's dying around him and et cetera and so forth. So, mm, yeah, I think the stakes had gone too high and I just didn't really care for that. But I still enjoyed the episode. But 
I just thought, yeah, just a little bit, maybe just a little too high. Well, it also, it I think it treats the fixed point in time how I've really expected it to be treated since Father's Day. But it keeps the rules keep changing there. So what are the rules? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, that we, we do keep changing the rules. But I do like the fact that the the mess that we see uh, in the beginning of this episode was caused by somebody who was in a position to actually try to, to change a fixed point in time. And this is what happens. And I, I enjoyed seeing the consequence. Well, see, there is a line, and I'm glad you guys brought that up because once again, this is on my list. There is a line that they bring up in here that is, I don't think, mentioned in any other fixed point conversation. It is called a steel point in time that is likely to create a fixed point in time. So I really like that idea of it's almost there. It's almost baked. It's almost fixed. But it's something that can be finagled a little bit, tweaked a little bit. Mm -hmm. I liked that concept. Mm Mm-hmm. So still, but there's still some wiggle room. Still some wiggle room. Exactly. So what did you guys think? And Clarence, I'll point this one to you first. The idea of bringing back Dorian Maldivar and the fact that he's a head in a box. (laughs) Any thoughts? Uh, I don't know. It was good comedy relief for the episode. (laughs) You know, I I love the whole Wi-Fi bit he had as well. I thought that was pretty (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's he's a key component in tying everything in with Demon's Run. And, um, you know, I just think he was really needed for kind of the co- cohesiveness of the episode. But as far as him as a character, we really don't get all that much from him. From him, except, you know, a few one-liners here or there. But uh, he kind of set the, the doctor on the, along the right path there. Why do you think the doctor took him? Why did he need him hmm. after he had the information? Yeah, I got the feeling that there's more, that they were sort of in mid-conversation. So he just said, why am I standing here talking? I'll just take you in the TARDIS with me. We'll, we'll continue. Because the heads were all starting to look at that him. Right. Skulls were. Okay. And, oh, my God. That was the worst scene ever. It was like a 1980s horror flick where the dude fell in the skull yes. pit. Like those special effects, like what's going on? (laughs) They had used all the other money for the other special effects and that didn't know that looked bad. It looked terrible. And it went on kind of a long time for something (laughs) that wasn't very well budgeted for. (laughs) Yeah, we we lingered on that. (laughs) Yeah, we got the idea. It gets eaten by skulls. Like, okay, Okay. we can go away now. (laughs) (laughs) I do like the fact they did create the creepy factor by having the skulls look and face you and moving. You know, that was cheaply done, but that looked spooky to me. Yeah, that was a nice touch. So what did you guys think? Let's go back a little bit further in the episode where we see Emperor Churchill. And Lee, I'm going to point this one to you because I remember you really enjoying our discussion and having the William Shakespeare appearance. What did you think of having the actor who played Shakespeare from series one have a cameo? Thoughts? Um, Charles Dickens. Yeah, Charles Dickens. That's said Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah, I had forgotten about that until rewatching it, but that, that's lovely that he, he's, uh, he's promising he's got something big coming for Christmas. 
but um, all at once. <laughs> yeah, but is it? You love a ghost story. Yes, <laughs> but is it ever going to be Christmas? No. I uh, the, uh, then we see uh, Emperor uh, Winston, uh, Emperor Churchill, being checked out by his uh, Silurian nurse, and I really like that. But uh, Silurian nurse is wearing a wristwatch. Why? <laughs> oh boy. The logic isn't consistent unto itself. It's a fashion statement, Lee. Yeah. Well, it works. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. He has a calendar on his desk, one of those little flip calendars. Also true. Right. Yeah. So do Why? you just put the same date on all those pages? Right. It's, it's a fantasy, right? <laughs> because if it was literally always the same moment, then nothing would be happening, right? It's not that everything would be happening yeah. at once. It's that nothing would happen. True. Am I right? We'd all be True. paralyzed. True. Right. So I would think. Really, it's, yeah, I think that's why we can see Dickens saying that he's writing something for Christmas. It's going to, you know, we love a ghost story. Because time is passing in some way, and yet it's somehow always returning to 502. Or it sort of expands a little bit past 502. But, but people don't go backwards. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Maybe that's because the weirdly dressed silence creatures are in the roof, and maybe people are just constantly forgetting what time it well, is. I don't. Yeah, yeah. So, Shannon, let me ask you. You brought up the silence earlier, if I remember correctly. And yes, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> you guys got to keep looking at me, otherwise. <laughs> what did you think? We've had this conversation. Of how they look. Because I thought they looked different this time. It's, yeah. T- talk about their look. I remember the first time I saw them, and I'm trying to remember in what order these went, because, but my immediate thought was of the gentleman from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I wonder if this was a, an attempt to sort of separate those two, because those, the, um, the fandoms, I'm sure, cross uh, a lot. So this one, they had those very, very textured suits. They almost looked like they were made of wood or plastic or something very textured. It looked like the suit was made of bark, but I love the way that I love the silence. I think the silence are super cool. And when they're all sort of congregated on the ceiling at that one point, yeah, that is a fabulous moment. And if they blew their whole budget on that and we get the stupid skulls <laughs> as a result, then I think I'm okay with that. Cause like, that is so cool. Uh, they always look vaguely sweaty, which yes. is a weird thing. I was going to say me. slimy, like, <laughs> but sweaty works too. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, the whole thing where in the when they're in the tanks and you get a moment to take a really good look at them, like that's I love that. I think that's a great moment because I I like getting a chance to actually see what the monster looks like. They always pass them by so quickly, or you know we don't get a chance to really inspect them. So that was cool. So let me ask you. So I'm going to open this up to the floor. Anybody that wants to take this one, we know that the silence is a religious order. So. Are they called the silent? Are they called creatures that we don't know what they are? Are they the silent? What is their name? Does anybody know? I don't. Yes. But I'm, okay. Uh, what is no, it? My, my answer to that question was yes. Okay. I, 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 I think it is. <laughs> I was just appreciating this again this time that it is a, a, I think, a lovely word joke that we don't know if they're the silence with a CE on the end or a silence with a TS on the end. Um, because both are correct, both are wrong. It's the way you're hearing it, and you won't remember it anyway. So, <laughs> and and, and the, the the scripts have been doing this on purpose. Silence will fall, 
could mean a collective of creatures called silent, or it could mean that noise will cease because silence will fall. And the answer is both. We don't know. And uh, I love that. So according to pop the people at the pop figurines, they must have one of the eye patches because that helps them remember, but they choose to call them the silent, as as per my pop figure says. But uh, I just thought that that was interesting because it's, it's so ambiguous as to what their name is. What if you got a silent and an angel together? Oh, didn't we do that in our head-to-head uh, ultimate Doctor Who. <laughs> this is a this is a complete tangent, so just no, ignore but it. But, I'm, but if you, the thing you can't look at and the thing you that you won't remember, I've got to ask Clarence that question again because I know he's a fan of the Weeping Angels. Silent versus Angel, pick one. Nah, I'm going to weep with angels all the way. <laughs> the angels are awesome. All right, so let me ask you guys about the question. And I, I, you know, since we've been bouncing around talking about the silence, Dorium. Dorium says, on the fields of Trenzalore, at the fall of the 11th, when no living creature could speak or falsely fail to answer, a question will be asked, a question that must never, ever be answered. And I think I looked at a silence because I completely forgot that we've already talked about that. So, (laughs) wow, I forgot that. Anyway, farewell to the brigadier. And Lee, I want to let you take this one first. Farewell to the brigadier. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Because this is another one of the things about this episode I got okay. trouble with. I got I got a problem with this. All right, go for it. Okay, the doctor's been on the run from his inevitable fate for 200 years. At some point, he has to, we guess, he is either going to be forced by some, uh, some Time Lord DNA something to go to Lake Silencio and his certain, or something's going to happen that causes him to decide that time's up. Right. Right. I, I, I guess there are other options. Somebody's going to make him go. But he, the, the moment happens in this episode, and he decides after he hears that the brigadier has passed away. In the first place, what's the percentage of people in the audience for this episode who have any idea who Alistair Lethbridge Stewart was? And in the second place, I mean, that's that's a meta question. But in terms of the story, really? That's what does it? He's been on the run for 200 years. And now, because the brigadier is gone, am I what, – what am I missing? Okay, so if you don't mind, let me interject Clarence into this. Because he would be one of those originally when he watched this would have – not been familiar like we are with the brigadier. So Clarence, for you, did that same did that resonate for you at all? Oh, e- easily. That that was meaningless to me. <laughs> meaningless. I mean, even what I know now, you know, I feel it a little bit more now, but it's I still don't think it would have had the same, you know, impact as as, as you guys. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of at the same place. Like, why two hundred years? Yeah, to me, why do we need this passage of time? Why ever go to the end yeah. to meet your doom? You know, and why is this the thing that turns him back? I don't, I don't get it. I, I love Brig. I love the Brigadier, <laughs> but the Doctor has suffered such losses. But he he gets this news, and Dorium says, "What's wrong?" The Doctor says, "Nothing. It's just, it's time. It's time." I was wondering 
is the brigadier sort of the last of the first generation of who? Is he the last one standing? Yeah. And that's kind of what I was wondering is like, of the original series, was he the last actor? I know he's not, yeah. but, but yeah. can the case be made that that's kind of what the doctor's thinking? We'll sort of thinking? say that's the last. Well, 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 we could put it as that he was the last one standing of the ones who had appeared in New Who. How about that? Because there's plenty, you know, there's plenty out there that are still living, mm. per se, as the actors, mm-hmm. sure. uh, per se. Right. But, you know, the Brigadier had appeared right. in the Sarah Jane Adventures as himself. So I remember watching this, and this is going to sound so disrespectful to Nicholas Courtney, and it's not meant to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but I was ticked off that they did something on screen for the Brigadier and didn't do something for Sarah Jane. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. You know, I'm like, if you're, if you're going to, uh, to do something for that character, same time period, you should have done something on screen You're right. for Sarah yeah. Jane. Now, I know we've gotten that thing last year that I still haven't watched a year later, <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm still right. putting it off. No, but I, I take your point. I had forgotten that, in fact, the re- we think the reason for this this reference to Brigadier is because Nicholas Courtney, because the actor had, had passed away shortly before this. Yeah. Had recently so, passed. Yeah, I see what yes. you mean. This is pure fan service right. and right. reference to that. Yeah. But it's it's such a lame reason for the doctor to make this momentous decision i mean if we're going to play the game of him being consistent to all the lives that he's lived before susan is still there in dalek occupied london you know which is obviously an alternate timeline since that doesn't seem to have <laughs> happened in the 60s as we were told it did right but he needs to go get her or something so so yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, I would have <laughs> rather them have done a even at the beginning of the episode, you know, to have the screen go black and do the in loving memory of <laughs> Nicholas Courtney, the uh, the brigadier, and then the you know his right. dates, birth and death date. You know, I, I I or even not even do the dates, just say in loving memory right. of Nicholas Courtney. But but there's plenty. I tip my hat for them to try to do something and paying respect. But in the story proper, you're right. I just don't think it felt like they wanted it. But to what fit. would it have to be? Maybe. What What would the event or realization or we're going to fix this script now. <laughs> 10 years later? What should it have been? Shannon Perry. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it all on you. I don't do drama. I do comedy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. The end of the TARDIS, the it had to be something really that you don't come back from. Yeah. Clarence, what about you? What do you think? This is a very good question. I'm, I'm right along there with Shannon. I think it needs to be a threat to someone or something you love um, in some shape, form, or fashion. You could look at it that he's seeing it as the inevitable. <laughs> um, it's, but again, it is imminently you know, inevitable. I, mean, <laughs> I think I have it. Yeah. <laughs> Madame Kavorian come, or he gets some kind of communique or something from Madame Kavorian or something that says that she is going to target each of his former companions and they start showing new Who companions, old Who companions, and he's forced to save them all of them by going to Lake Salency. That I could buy into. Because if you know, 
that she's going to send the silence or whatever, wherever they are in their individual timelines, whether it's been one year, whether it's been 50 years or whatever since they parted ways with the doctor and systematically take you out one by one, that to me would be good emotional baggage for him to say, ooh, here's some, I don't want this to happen. I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. Forcing his Maybe K-9 like was the, the tipping point. Go to Lake Silencio or we shoot this dog. <laughs> Affirmative. No. Affirmative, mistress. <laughs> Affirmative. Sorry. I am K-9 Mark I 9. I'm started. <laughs> Affirmative. Here's an, affirmative here's, an alternate, here's an alternate suggestion. Somehow the doctor is forced into the realization that River's life is not over unless he doesn't die at Lake Silencio. This isn't the last day of her life. It's the last day of his life. And she doesn't go on to live the rest of her life if that event doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that. That's momentous. Yeah, that's it. Affirmative. The doctor is willing to lay down his life, so we have more river. Yeah, I think Kyle would shoot him if he, yeah. if he thought it would get him more river. <laughs> more river. Yes, of course I will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Give, give me that. <laughs> so time, as we all know, time can be rewritten. And and Clarence, you were talking earlier about the little tidbits and wanting to put and piece them all together. So there is a scene with the doctor and River where they are talking about this. This is when they're talking specifically about the still point in time, something that can become a fixed point. And then River says to the doctor, time can be rewritten. The doctor replies, don't you dare. While this appears to be the doctor correcting River, it is actually the reverse because back in series four in the library, while, just FYI, Donna Noble was being saved, FYI, the Tenth Doctor says to River, time can be rewritten, and River, in turn, replies to him, saying, don't you dare. So this is one of those cool things to where it's coming across now with the Eleventh Doctor as him saying to her something, but he actually got that from her, in order to be able to that, say that, that to her. I just right, thought that was Because so that, hasn't, that hasn't happened yet for her. Yeah. But she got it from right. him. So how does that work? <laughs> so you know, it's kind of creating where the moment creates itself in a way. All right. So speaking of the doctor and River, did anyone find the doctor's demeanor to be different in this encounter with River than in other encounters with River? And if so, how? And I'll open that to the floor. And silence falls. <laughs> <laughs> Did the doctor act differently toward River? I don't know. It seemed like they may have tried to, um, I don't know. It seemed if, if Matt Smith was trying to act a little bit older, hence the 200 years, I guess. It just very so slightly, though. And I felt like he was a little bit more aggressive, too, especially when he was trying to grab her hand the first time. It was a little weird to see that between them two. Interaction like this, mostly playful, but it, it felt a little bit more serious this time. Well, that conversation on top of the pyramid, he's hes just plain mm-hmm. mean to her. You embarrassed me. And, yeah. Yes. She, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't remember that. So I was like, That's excuse harsh. me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 
I, I was thinking the same thing. I, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I did not like the you embarrass me, you know, River, as, mm-hmm. as he's like berating her like a child. Which was interesting because you'd think that they would want to play up the romance more. If he's going to go to the lengths of marrying her, is it all about just getting her to make physical contact with him? Or is Isn't it, it you know, which sounds terrible, but right. you know, <laughs> thank Sorry. you, Clarence. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People have gotten married for less. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, seriously. Is it all about that, yeah. you know, maneuvering her towards that final contact that will take them back to the lake? Or is there emotion on his side as well? I want him to want to marry her. Yeah, and she says, what am I doing? And he says, what you're told. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. He's so romantic. That's Right, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, raise your hand if you were trying to lip-read Matt Smith right there at the end when he's whispering in her you ear. Me, you may. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, mm. yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how he said what he needed to say in that. Like, he says, like, one word. What does he say? Well, you know, it's supposed to be look into my eye, but so that so that tells us then we go back to let's kill Hitler. That has to be the moment where he actually says his name, find River Song and tell her something for me. And she leans down and she says, oh, well, I would think she knows that has to be where he tells the name because because otherwise there's no other time that we see that that could have happened. But yes, I did find that to be very off-putting as far as this is supposed to be the wedding. But what was priceless, and Clarence, I want to um, point this one to you, because I was listening yesterday again to our closing time review, and you made a comment in that review about Rory and Amy just saying you know, how much you basically enjoyed these characters. What did you think of seeing Rory and Amy again find each other? Any thoughts about that? Interesting. Uh, I feel like they keep playing the same joke of Rory not being able to connect with his, you know, the love of his life. And it's just another situation where they're playing up all the Rory tropes in this episode. Can't find love. (laughs) She's looking over him. He dies almost again. You know, they're just hitting everything. Mm So... (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for the poor guy, but he's at her side though. <laughs> yep. Yeah, even the silence make fun of him. <laughs> you know, the one who dies. Poor guy. Over and over. Over and over. <laughs> we get to the end, and the doctor has, you know, basically died, and Amy is all depressed, and River appears in her army get up and basically declares the doctor's not really dead. What did you guys think of this idea of using the Tesselecta as a fake doctor and a doctor body? So what were your thoughts? And Shannon, I'll let you take this one first. What did you think, the doctor and a doctor body? I remember when I saw it for the first time, I was so happy. Like, I had to stop and think about, now, what am I looking at here? But then I was thrilled because, you know, it's the doctor. You don't want him to die. And yeah, but the, I don't understand why he's withholding this information from Amy and Rory. Yes. That seemed odd to me, but uh, because nothing happened when it was revealed. I thought it was great. I thought it was very clever. And 
there's so much in this episode that is just cleverly done. And I, that was one thing that I really enjoyed. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, thoughts from you. Well, you've already heard from me. I, I just, I just love it. I love, I love the Tesselect and everything about it. So just, I was just glad to see it come back. And I, I still can't figure out when we were talking about the almost people and we saw there were two doctors that I remember that right. all of us had had the thought, you know, oh, that's how we're going to get out of this. It's not him. It's the flesh. Well, that's still killing somebody, isn't it? I don't, yeah. uh, I don't, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how are we going to have another doctor? And I, the, the thought of it being the test selected never crossed my mind. And I, I admire the artifice of that so much. The Tesselecta turned into a lot of people, including Amy and River. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was very wise that we never saw it turn into yeah, a doctor. Very good point. I think, I think that might have telescoped it for us, right? So beautiful. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was pretty, it's pretty brilliant. Um, uh, but, but I do have a question. Like, why? And I think you may have just mentioned this, Shannon. Like, why didn't a doctor tell River as soon as he, Got to the pyramid in Cairo. He could have. We could have avoided so much. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. You know what? Good point. Because I never. So, so okay. So let me think here. What you just said. The doctor in the doctor body was the doctor in the alternate timeline, right? Or was he? No. Yeah. At what point does that? Does he replace himself with the robot or the Tesselite? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering now, too, because is it possible that he was really killed? But there's also the doctor who's out there traveling in time elsewhere, and he's the one who figures out how he can have it both ways. I think you're right, Lee. I think so. I think the one in the um, in the dungeon, in the Tower of London... Is the version no, no? Because when they see him at Lake Silencio, he's eleven hundred years old. Yeah. yeah. So I have four words to describe <laughs> an, as an excellent uh, way to sum it up that you and everyone will understand. Not the ready. Not the doctor lies because that that's only three words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I'll buy that. <laughs> Sorry, that's the best well, I can do. Yes, no. I was just going to say, since since in uh, the the uh, the world that we've seen, where ostensibly time is not passing, but it clearly is. Yeah, if we're going to accept that, then yeah, whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, so at Lake Silencio, the the final time, we're looking at the back of people watching this happen. Or no, I think it's the it's when they're sending the the doctor out in the boat on flames, and mm-hmm. there's four people standing. Is that is there an extra guy there? <laughs> I get the feeling like there's an extra person standing there. Yeah, it's yeah, Canton it's, at that, Canton that, uh, at uh, Delaware yeah. the second. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember him being there. He is the uh, Mark Shepard character from the f- series opener, the old yeah. version okay. of him. Okay. Who was actually played, played by Mark Shepard's father. father, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they may have intentionally not shown his face, so they went out to pay him or something. Because they never. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do that. Yeah, because yeah, it's. Yeah, he's the one who, who he brings the gas can to set the Viking yeah. pyre on fire. Got it. Yeah. Clearly, I did not go all the way back to the beginning of this season to watch all of them. So. Wibbly wobbly, <laughs> watching, not watching. <laughs> 
So, everyone, before we get into our favorite quote and favorite scene, did anyone have any other thoughts that we have not covered in this discussion so far? I wanted to say one thing about that I love about this episode and, and the reason that I enjoy watching it is that there are all these wonderful throwaway lines that the doctor has that are just hilarious. Like, why do you always have handcuffs? Like, that's just such a ridiculous line. <laughs> and it's hilarious yep. and it's so revealing and it's very funny. And it just, he just tosses it off. And this thing is full of those. I really enjoyed that part of it. Speaking of, since you said that, in the silence in the library, Forest of the Dam, the doctor asks River, where did you get handcuffs? And she says, spoilers. Oh, awesome. yep. <laughs> there, Which, I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with Shannon when I say that there's so many things like that, that I went back and watched uh, that two-parter just because I knew that so many of them connect back oh, to awesome. here. Yeah, and I'd forgotten that the t- doctor says, why do you have handcuffs? <laughs> he doesn't know her yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's just yeah. there's so many wonderful lines in this that just made me laugh out loud. And you've really got to be paying such close attention to this episode to hear them all because they just they just throw them away. But then that's, you know, that's the genius of this writer. So, All right. So anyone else, any other thoughts before we get into favorite quote? Yeah, I'll just add real quick. I love the alternate, um, call it the mirror universe, <laughs> depiction of the trains mm-hmm. up high above the city. I thought that <laughs> right. was pretty cool. I mean, like you don't want one of the balloon cars? No, I'll, I'll skip the balloon cars. I love the yeah, trains. I, the train. I'm not sure how you would steer that. Yeah, I, I, like, I, like, I like that you can get on a train in, uh, in London and, and go to Cairo. Yeah, that was awesome. Right, right into the pyramid, no exactly. doubt. The one thing I will say about the balloon cars is that looked a darn sight better than the ones underground in the, you know, with the cats. Mm. Oh, right. If, if I had to choose between one of those two modes of transport, I know which one true. I want. The traffic jam <laughs> yes. that you live and yeah. die on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I also love the iDrive. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's what we should talk it. about is her killing... Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love let's, that. <laughs> let's do have a moment for the fact that Amy has killed somebody. In an altered timeline and a this reality never existed, that doesn't right. exist. Yeah, but it's what Amy says about it that... What's her What's her next line? What does she say about it? She that? says, yes, but I did it. And, and, so and I remember it, it so it happened. Right? Yeah, right. I remember. So it happened. Yeah. And I, that takes me back to the girl who waited because I think that older Amy never existed. If we take young Amy aboard the TARDIS, then we've rescued her. And so that whole timeline thing doesn't happen. I'm hoping that's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. But from Rory's point of view, I did it and I remember it. So it happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. The capability is there, whether or not it actually happened. Right. I just loved it from the perspective of R- River. Uh, she doesn't get everything from you, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that that was that line was she didn't get it all from you, sweetie. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. But equally, I like the fact that she killed her. I just I know that's cold, <laughs> but yeah. it was like she did such a great job of. Making you want her. She was like, Amy, <laughs> you wouldn't want to. You're precious. No cow. To. No, no. You know what else he's not? <laughs> he's not it. here. <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oh. 
Oh, that was fun. Okay, so favorite quote. And Shannon, you're our guest. I'll start with you. Favorite okay. quote. Favorite line. What's his, Captain Williams, what's his first name? Captain. <laughs> Amy and the Doctor. I just thought that whole thing was, that whole exchange was fun. Uh, this was at the top of the show, at the uh, right at the end of the cold open. Um, explain to me in terms I can understand, says Churchill. What happened to time? A woman. <laughs> <laughs> and into the titles. Yeah. We can we can laugh, and we do, about uh, Rory um, feeling lost and sort of groping for Amy, even when he doesn't know he's supposed to be. <laughs> but once again, we get the badassery of Rory Williams. Mm. Yeah. And... This, uh, this is this is an exchange, but this last line, this is my favorite line. You have to take your eye drive off. Can't do that, ma'am. Might forget what's coming. But it could activate any second. It has activated, ma'am, but I'm of no use to you if I can't remember. You have to go now, ma'am. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Boom. he's amazing. Standing in his ground. Yep. All right, so here's mine. Favorite quote from me, Father Dear. I think mommy might need another drink. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's yep. a river line. That huh. was cool. Yeah. So, yes. How about that? Weird. I, I've got a, I've got a runner up if you're interested. I love I laughed out loud at this too. The doctor to Rory says, "She said that you were a Mr. Hottiness and that she would like to go out with you for texting, texting. and scones." <laughs> <laughs> You never I've done never this done before. This before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, All right. Can I give a runner up too? I got yes, a runner. Yes, please. Um, uh, Churchill again. Like, what is she like? Attractive, I assume. Hell, in high heels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Why do you always have handcuffs? Was my runner up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, two references to Cleopatra in this. Uh, yes, uh, Churchill has. Uh, she's raised Churchill's blood pressure, and uh, River kissed her. So mm-hmm. there you go. So favorite scene, Clarence. I'll start with you this time. Favorite scene. My favorite scene is gonna be with the Viking guy. I forget his name. Uh, playing chess, mm. deaf chess, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he really reminded me of the... I know he didn't look exactly like him, but he reminded me of the guy from the Goonies, the monster-looking dude from the Goonies for some reason. I don't know why, but <laughs> I, I, really, I like that scene. I actually really liked the Doctor and Rory at the tanks, although I thought, you know, him kind of checking the, the caulk there was a little, <laughs> a little feeble, but uh, I love the line about texting and scones. I have that on my... I wrote that one down. <laughs> I love that line. I just really got a kick out of uh, that whole trip in the TARDIS where the doctor's taking Dorium along with him. Um, and he's got Dorium upside down in the box and <laughs> so on. I just, uh, it, it, in a way, it's a little thing. But as Shannon says, the conversa- the, the dialogue is just going uh, machine gun mm-hmm. fast. And it's it's the two of them. You, you almost want yeah. Dorium's head to be a, a companion from now on. <laughs> but uh, just, maybe, I, I maybe he could pair scene. up him and Handles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Two heads and no bodies. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they could fill up the headspace. <laughs> That's right. So. <laughs> All right. So for me, my favorite scene would have to be, hands down, the closing scene with Amy, Rory, and River. I think it just is so cool. 
hearing River talk about where she is in her timeline. She's climbing out of the Byzantium from Series 5. I just thought that that was so cool, learning more on the timeline. And when she's talking about lying, you know, I'm a traveler too. I have Mm -hmm. to do that. So I thought that was so cool. So final rating, Lee Shackelford, this time I will start with you. Final rating. I'm giving this five pyramids with the good old red, white, and blue painted on the side. (laughs) Go USA. Yeah. (laughs) This time at 502. This time, yeah. (laughs) All right. Shannon Perry, favorite, I mean, final rating. I am going to go 4.75 with a a 0.25 deduction for the embarrassing line, Uh, but 4.75 carnivorous skulls out of five. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Clarence Brown, final rating. I will give it 4.5 eye drives out of five. No. Electrified or not yet? (laughs) (laughs) We we want them to be just doing what they do. (laughs) All right. So... So I'm going to give this five wedding invitations out of five for the river song wedding episode. So five out of five wedding invitations. All right. So I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. And Shannon, since you are our guest, why don't you let everyone know if they do not already, because hopefully they already know, but if someone's (laughs) listening for the very first time and has never heard us talk incessantly about Eyes 9, and because you have no idea that we have already had Le Bichon Frise and the Albatross in feedback, where else might they find you and your alter egos on the internet? (laughs) Uh, you can find me at oz9.com on a spaceship somewhere left of Uranus. <laughs> and if you don't think that's funny, <laughs> you're probably not going to enjoy Oz9. I was going to say, yeah. That's, <laughs> I also found out a fact about the god Uranus today that's interesting that I'll, I'll save that for later. <laughs> if you're into technology, tech news, tech stories, uh, check out... A podcast I do with my brother called TechPedition.com. Uh, well, it's called the TechPedition Podcast, but you can find out about it at TechPedition.com. You can find me and Kyle and Clarence in the pages of the book Real Characters, which is at your bookseller, Ian, as we speak. And I wanted to take this opportunity to shout out, as I should have done, I think, a long time ago, to the people that responded to our question about why does the doctor matter to you? The ones who got quoted in the book. And these people include such luminaries as R. Alan Seiler, Louis Trapani, Dave A.C. Cooper. Good to have you back, Dave A.C. Tracy Gould, Kenneth Altman, the person we know only as Meepy, and Bill Lemon, and Shannon Perry. So, Whatever happened to Shannon Perry? I don't know what happened to her, but whatever happened, it's not my fault. <laughs> I think she was cut up into little pieces of bacon and made into a BLT. Woo! She insisted on casting everybody all the time. And she <laughs> went insane trying to, <laughs> trying to write a script for them. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. So I will say, if for everyone listening, thank you for indulging us as I have enjoyed 
reviewing one of my favorite River episodes, which is pretty much any episode that River is in. Send us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.